Our theme, as you may know, for the month of November is memory. And on this, the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, the day that marked the conclusion of the First World War, I'd like us to pause for a moment to remember and honor all those who have served their country, who have done military service. So I invite us to hold them, their memories, and their families in our hearts. For the, for the veterans here today with us, I remember and honor your sacrifice. Our invocation this morning comes from Burton Carley, and he calls it September meditation, but I'm going to take poetic license since he's not here, and I'm going to call it November <laughs> meditation. He says, I do not know if the seasons remember their history, or if the days and nights by which we count time remember their own passing. I do not know if the oak tree remembers its planting or if the pine remembers its slow climb towards sun and stars. I do not know if the squirrel remembers last fall's gathering or if the blue jay remembers the meaning of snow. I do not know if the air remembers November or if the night remembers the moon. I do not know if the earth remembers the flowers from last spring or if the evergreen remembers that it shall stay so. Perhaps that is the reason for our births, to be the memory for creation. Perhaps salvation is something very different than anyone ever expected. Perhaps this will be the only question we will have to answer. What can you tell me about November? This is a brief reflection on yoga breath. Have you ever had the occasion in your life to have a moment that like nearly took your breath away or maybe just absolutely took your breath away? Uh, I'm going to ask you to take a few seconds to think of one of those occasions. It could be that you thought of a fearful or a scary event such as a near accident or the possible loss of a loved one. Could be some of you thought of a marvelous, happy, or a stunning event, such as a beautiful song that elicited memories or a marvelous view of a natural phenomenon. A couple of personal examples. I remember driving on a very wet autumn day when my car, skidding on a layer of wet leaves, went into a tailspin I just couldn't control. When the spin was over and I started to breathe again, I sat stunned for a few seconds before driving on. On a positive note, I think of my first glimpse of the Grand Canyon or of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome or the magnificent sunsets at the beach or the power of water flowing over Niagara Falls. And perhaps most of all, when I glimpsed each of my sons for the first time as they emerged into this world and took their first breaths. Moving on, just in case you're wondering, in yoga, my favorite pose is the final relaxation activity where I lie on my back, 
put my head on a pillow with my eyes closed, breathing gently, and listening to my yoga instructor reading a brief meditation. That's just before the namaste. In yoga, in addition to stretching muscles and tendons and ligaments and having you stand, sit, crouch, and breathe, yoga gifts you with relaxation, with patience, with warmth, and many life lessons, all of which filter through the soul. Depending on how we think of it, it could be our spirit, our life force, our divine spark, if you breathe. Personally, I really appreciate and benefit from the way practicing yoga unites my body and spirit. This unity of body and spirit is something I've been seeking for a good long time in my own life. Yoga enables me to feel a sense of wholeness when I breathe. Now, the tree pose in yoga is a very, very accurate metaphor for life. That's where you focus on a spot on the wall. You stand on one foot and bring the other foot next to your knee and breathe. Actually, most of you probably haven't even noticed, but since I've been up here, I've been in the tree pose and I've been breathing. <laughs> I saw you look at my feet. I saw <laughs> Let me tell you something. Some days you try to get settled into the tree pose and you end up flailing around, wobbling back onto both feet and most of all, holding your breath. On those days, my pose is like a Picasso Cubist painting. Everything's out of whack, out of balance. <laughs> and I'm most likely holding my breath. Other days, you get it right. You focus on your breath. You don't worry about how you might look. And bingo, you're in tree pose. You feel a sense of harmony and unity like you're all put together. Isn't that life? Some days you flail. Other days you get it right. Things don't always go as planned. Some days are better than others. Or as Lily Tomlin used to say, there's always something. Ariana Grande says in her song, Breathing, some days things just take too much of my energy. I can so overcomplicate. People tell me to medicate. Time goes by and I can't control my mind. Don't know what else to try. So I just keep breathing and breathing and breathing. The secret is to breathe. It's simple, but vital. Be aware of your breath. Know your spirit is alive. Know that you are a child of this magnificent universe, and let that awareness just, just wash right over you. Cherish every minute of it. Oh, dear ones. You know, Paul and I were talking before this service today, and... and uh, I was reflecting on how, how often these days when, when I'm in a group and we're sharing sort of what's really going on and sometimes what's really going on feels difficult. Like you said, flailing. I flail a lot. You may have noticed. And someone will say to me, just breathe. And sometimes when I hear that, I want to just go, <coughs> <laughs> fill in the blank. But other times... I know what to do when they tell me to do that. I know to just pause and take a breath. I, I would like to share a reading from one of my new favorite writers who I think many of you are probably familiar with. Her name is George Ella Lyon. And this is called I Am From. 
I am from clothespins, from Clorox, and carbon tetrachloride. I am from the dirt under the back porch, black, glistening. It tasted like beets. You gotta love a woman who eats dirt. That's my editorial comment. I'm from the forsythia bush, the Dutch elm, whose long gone limbs I remember as if they were my own. I'm from fudge and eyeglasses, from Imogene and Alifair. I'm from the know-it-alls and the pass-it-ons, from perk up and pipe down. I'm from he restoreth my soul with a cotton ball lamb and ten verses I can say myself. I'm from Artemis and Billy's Branch, fried corn and strong coffee. From the finger my grandfather lost to the auger, the eye my father shut to keep his sight. Under my bed was a dress box spilling old pictures a sift of lost faces to drift beneath my dreams. I'm from those moments, snapped before I budded, leaf fall from the family tree. George Ella Lyon grew up in the mountains of Kentucky. She says she started writing poetry when she was in the third grade, and she, she went through phases of wanting to be, I think, a tightrope walker, an astronaut, a zookeeper, and a folk singer. But over and over again, she came back to writing. She came back to dreaming through artistic voice. She has been now for a long time a writer, a poet, and a teacher of writing, and she says, when we write, or dance, or sing, or draw, or practice any of the arts, we're listening to our hearts and expressing what we hear. She's also a lifelong uh, activist for the environment. This particular poem, the I Am From poem, this list, which she says she continues to work on, and don't we all, as Paul said, don't we all continue to find things in our days that are things that we are from? But this poem has gained new life in recent times because Ella George Lyon wanted and has wanted to do something positive to try to stand against what, in her words, are the hate and the fear-mongering in our world. So she joined together with Julie Lansman, a, a poet and activist from Minneapolis, and they created the I Am From Project, collecting art and poetry from around the country. I don't know if they're still collecting, but if you Google I Am From Project, you'll see this extraordinary collection of, of, of voices and images. See, I know how she feels. I know how she feels, and I, what she and her collaborator have done resonates spiritually and emotionally with me. It gives me a feeling of comfort to know where and who I'm from, even though, or even if, as Paul also said, the memories aren't always, you know, hallmark moments. They're, they can be very complicated. But who I'm from and who you're from is something no one can take away from us. 
These are the building blocks that bring us to these seats, to this place. My Morgan and I were hanging around together the other night, and Morgan said, you know, and I, I say, pardon the, the, you know, damn you, Facebook. <laughs> Morgan's feed had brought up pictures of time spent with my children's grandmother, Judy, whose given name was Julia Rodia. Judy was from Tennessee, not far from, from where uh, George Ella Lyon is from. And Morgan started by saying, I'm just remembering, we called her Maga, not grandmother or something else, Maga. We but just remembering the times we had together. She was not perfect, Morgan said. I've no doubt Morgan will say that at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> but she really, really, really loved us. Mom, do you remember the holiday tables? So Judy was an artist. She was a really gifted artist, but her, her social location and her generation and the way in which she grew, grew up didn't allow her to realize that gift until much, much later in life. And so she loved helping me homeschool my children, and we lived near each other. So she would do many things, but she would, they would make these holiday tables. So there was a special table. It was round. It looked kind of like this, but it was bigger. And every holiday you could imagine, they would make decorations and, you know, Halloween houses and letters and spider webs and Valentine's Day. And they, they were these beautiful things that they made together and they learned together. Morgan might say, I'm from Julia Rodia, and I'm from the holiday tables. Sometimes the I am from list brings that knot in the stomach. Sometimes, to be honest, we have to say, I am from trauma, or I am from neglect or loss. And sometimes when we say that, our remembrance is about that, but is also about our beloved families of choice. The people the universe sent into our lives to teach us how to love, to teach us how to heal, to teach us how to honor and remember without reliving to bring us to a place where we can be whole and feel whole, to bring us into community, to teach us how to own the space we need to breathe deeply for ourselves. We have ancient wisdom ancient wisdom that teaches us these things. In the second creation story in the Hebrew Bible, the Lord God creates the first man, and it was a man because the woman would come later from Adam's rib, saving the best for last is what I always say, but whatever. 
but this form was just inert on the ground, and God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, and life took place, and Adam came to life. The human, the text tells us, became a living being. In the later apocryphal book of the Bible, the, God, the account goes further and says, God formed human beings and put a heart in the midst of each body and gave each person breath and life and understanding. Now I share this story with you mostly because it always helps me to remember that we have these traditions and these ancient pieces of wisdom. This breath, I was, I was imagining, I was imagining God breathing. I was imagining God sharing this divinity, this thing that we have. I was going to look up on Google how many thousands of breaths we draw, and then I forgot. It's the kind of thing maybe one of you knows and can tell me. But every breath we take, that we take for granted, because if we paid attention all the time, we would go nuts in really short order. But every breath we take is a bridge that connects us to our deepest selves, to that place inside of us that is holy, that is, that is divine, that animates us. Spirit, from the Latin spiritus, is breath. That bridge, that bridge. And when we pay attention to that bridge, whether it's tree pose, which Paul is like this. <laughs> Just kidding, if I did that, <laughs> especially in high heels, not encouraged for yoga practice. <laughs> that bridge to our center, that in fact does help us balance. I am not a Buddhist, but one of my favorite Buddhist teachers, Thich Nhat Hanh, writes about meditation. And I, and I know that many of you are meditators, and I'm grateful for your, for your presence here. But he writes about a particular teaching of the Buddha, the full, of the full awareness of breathing, and I have to read it correctly, Anapanasati Sutta. And the Buddha taught it to us because he wanted us to know how to transform our fear, our anger, and our despair. So Thich Nhat Hanh, also known as Thai, tells this story about going to Seoul, South Korea, and he was going to lead a walking meditation, and he looked up, and the police had blocked off all these streets in the middle of the city so that he could lead this walking meditation, and he looked up, and he said he, he, he couldn't walk. He didn't remember how to walk because there were so many hundreds and thousands of people surrounding him. And so many journalists and so many people's, people with cameras, there was no path. Does that sound kind of familiar right now? Does it sound like sometimes there's so many things crowding that we can't see the path anymore? So he says that what he did when he realized that he could not, he did not know how to walk anymore, 
He says, I told the Buddha, dear Buddha, I give up. You walk for me. He says, the Buddha came right away and people made a path for the Buddha to walk. Maybe it's comforting to remember that the Buddha knows how to walk and knows how to breathe when we forget when our breath is short. I'd like to just for a moment, because I know if I say we're going to meditate together, half of you are going to get really hanky. But just for a moment, just for a moment, I invite you, if you would, to plant your feet on the ground and perhaps you may want to straighten your spine, close your eyes or half close them. Perhaps you can relax the muscles of your face. There are around 300 muscles in our faces. Don't fight. Don't try too hard. And take a deep in-breath. Breathing in a long breath. I know I am breathing in a long breath. And as you let that long breath go, breathing out a long breath, I know I am breathing out a long breath. Breathing in, I am aware of my whole body. Breathing out, I am aware of my whole body. Breathing in, I calm my whole body. Breathing out, I calm my whole body. Breathing in, I feel joyful. Breathing out, I feel joyful. Breathing in, I liberate my mind. Breathing out, I liberate my mind. And finally, breathing in, I observe letting go. Breathing out, I observe letting go. Dear ones, when we remember to breathe, we come home. (coughs) We come home to our bodies. We come home to this divine life inside of us. And when we come home, especially when we come home together, (coughs) as Paul said so beautifully, Something gets released. 
our hearts open just a little bit more to compassion and curiosity. The mind that couldn't hold still finds a moment of stillness. And maybe in that moment we can allow ourselves to be tender with who we are and where we are and feel grateful for the wholeness each of us has. Remember, my most beloved congregation, we are the love people. We are the people who return again and again to the side of love. my friend the Reverend Don Fortune always says and I'm so grateful to have heard this from them love wins if love hasn't won it isn't over amen dear ones ashe and blessed be dear ones I offer you this blessing as we go forth from this place today I offer you the blessing of community, the blessing of being with one another, the blessing of coming back again and again to the path of love. Go in peace and come back in joy.